Hello and welcome to FTP for Triathlon People. I'm Morgan. I'm Cameron. Cam's really close to the mic right now. I Sorry. bet it's really loud. <laughs> I also feel like I change my voice every time when I'm like, hello and welcome to Disney makes, World. It makes every episode special. Oh, thanks, Cam. Um, we actually have a very special episode now that you mention it. Yeah. Actually, do you want to do the rest of your intro? Yeah, sorry. The rest of the intro, we're coming to you live <laughs> from Govo in Boulder, Colorado. This time, instead of our kitchen, we're sitting on our bed. Yeah, we're still, due to COVID-19, we're still kicking it at our house without the production crew with Matt Page and Oaks. So I hate how close we are to Oaks. And still no access right still now. Still so far. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Yeah. But as you're saying, this is a super special episode. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? This is definitely our, I mean, this is our biggest interview today. I was personally very nervous going into it. I was. I, I mean, like, I don't know. Justin's a big deal. All right. So before we bury the lead too far. Um, we have Justin Lippert with us today, um, remotely. Yeah. Five-time USA age group national champion. We saw him at... Long course Nats at Miami, Nats. man. Yeah. Um, he was the 2019... He was on the 2019 Specialized Zwift Academy Tri Team. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a Kona qualifier and Kona, Kona finisher. Yeah. What else do you know about Justin? I don't know. We... One time, we were in my mom's town out for a little bike and oh this yeah cyclist zoomed past us we were out for like an easy bike yeah i think it was like a three hour like coffee ride that nick <laughs> put in for us and we were just like we were at this like turnaround and we were just like casually like hardly even pushing anything and all of a sudden this guy is down in his aero bars and he like blows by us like going at least like 10 to 15 miles an hour faster than us. And I like got a glimpse of his bike and I was like, I think that's Justin Lippert. And you're like, what? And you're like, ah, it's whatever. We'll let him go. And then like an hour. We'll let him go. No, let's be real. I had my old bike at that point. There was no way I was going to catch him. But yeah. And then like an hour, I don't even know. Some time went by, but it was like that same day. And he like Instagrammed me and he was like, Hey, are you guys in uh, Sandy Hook right now? And we were like, yeah, I think we saw you out for a ride. And he was like, oh my gosh, sorry that I didn't stop and chat, but I was in the middle of like this 30 minutes at 300 watts or something crazy. But yeah. Justin also founded Full Send Triathlon, yeah. which is a triathlon community and team. Yeah. Um, he's a He's a pretty cool guy, and I think we had a blast talking to him. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. Um, so we will kick it over to our interview now, and then if you would like to hang out a little after the interview, we'll be doing our typical, very brief um, triathlon news and whatnot. Yeah. So, without we'll... further ado, here it is, yeah. our interview with Justin Lippert. All right. Hello. Hello. Hi, Justin. How's it going? It's good. How are you? Good. I've got Cam here. Can you hear us okay? Uh, yes. Okay. Awesome. We are, like, recording this from our bedroom currently, not in our normal, like, like studio. studio. <laughs> okay. We can't see our our production crew right now because of COVID-19. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Where, where are you right now, Justin? 
I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. Is the weather nice there? You've been riding outside a bunch, so obviously the weather's nice. Yes, it was 81 degrees today. Jeez. <laughs> it's like 43 yeah. and overcast here. Yeah. Are you in Colorado? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're like right outside of Boulder. What are you guys doing there? Like um, you live there now? Yeah, Morgan's working for the university, and I'm working for an oncology like office here. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I I obviously follow you guys on Instagram, so I I know like one third of the story, I guess. I see you guys in Colorado, but I have no clue what you're doing that's there or why. <laughs> that's true. You only see the like fun parts of it. Yeah. There's a lot of not fun parts. Living out here is very expensive and. Yeah, but yeah. it's fun. It's a lot better than when we were in D.C. and just, like couldn't even get outside, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, wait, why are you in Charleston? Is that school? Um, so, my girlfriend got a uh, job down here in Charleston, so we kind of moved down here. Awesome. Okay. That's so nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really very nice. cool. What's the tri-community there? Do you have a lot of, like, public pools and whatnot? Um... There, I mean, I've been here since January, so I don't really know. I haven't met anyone else who does a triathlon. (laughs) Nice. That's honestly the dream, though. I'm sure. I'm sure it exists. I see. I see cyclists out there all the time, but I just kind of don't really converse with them. That's all right. I feel like it's (laughs) it's simultaneously a very social um, sport and also a very solo sport. But anyway, so thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I know <laughs> things are things in are, flux yeah, right now, sure. um, yeah. but we really yeah. appreciate it. Very, very in flux. Um, but so we were talking about all of your topics and talking about kind of what we wanted to chat about. And I think a really good place to start um, is when we first met you. And also, I think likely where a lot of the triathlon community really got to know you for the first time, which was 2018. Um, so did you expect 2018 to be the breakout year that it was for you? Mm, that's no, definitely not. I mean, it all happened like so fast because it was, it started with age group nationals in Cleveland in August. And it was like, Literally in 48 hours, it was like zero to hero. Right. But you can't, you can't like predict that. Like you can't necessarily expect that to happen because, you know, at at that point, if one thing goes wrong, it doesn't happen. Right. If one thing goes wrong on Saturday, if one thing goes wrong on Sunday and, you know, you don't, you don't win the back to back, then it's just like, you know, you, you don't explode like as much as I did in that weekend <laughs> what, what what was that back-to-back experience i've not i mean i've done nats a few times but i've never done the double was that like a challenge to manage like all the check-in and like your actual preparation for both races and the award ceremonies uh they make it pretty easy so after you race on saturday um all you have to do is you can move your bike you can keep it in transition overnight okay and you just move it to like they have like empty racks, so you just move it to one of like the empty racks in transition, and then you re rack it in the morning in your new spot. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, so, so it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I guess moving on from that weekend, the at least the next race that we first met you at, I mean, we had heard about you. We saw you all over socials and stuff. But then we moved and uh, met you at Miami Man. And I remember prepping for that race. And at least from my perspective, I was, I guess before you had announced that you were racing, I was definitely feeling pretty good about that race. <laughs> um, and then... And then I saw that you had registered, and I think I had, like, that, the second I saw that you had signed up, I, like, immediately called our coach, and I was like, okay, what do we do? What do we change? What what was your race like from, like, your side of things? It was so funny, because the whole thing, I don't know, like, I look back, and that was just, like, such a fun, I don't know, experience, but... So the race director reached out to me and was like, hey, like, I have a national championship. Like, I didn't even know there was a 70.3 national championship. Like, you, I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. Until he reached out to me. It's really, it was like an unknown oh, race yeah, almost. But, what was that? It was like a, it was all, it's like a really, like, sort of unknown national championship. Like, it's not publicized or anything, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was like, yeah, like, sure, like, why the hell not? Um... And I was like looking at past results and I was like, no one ever goes to this thing. Like, I'm just going to like walk away with it. And then, you know, I had no, no clue who like you were at all until maybe like a week before the race, some person on Instagram who you must know was like, who's going to send it harder, you or Cameron Hackett? And I was like, who the hell is Cameron Hackett? Like, obviously me. And then the dude was like, eh, not so fast. And he just said, he was just like, look him up. And I was like, oh man, like this guy actually means business. Like, he, you know, he wants me to like look him up. So I was like, all right, like I'll play along. <laughs> so I just like a quick internet search and like, you know, you were good like i don't know exactly i don't remember like exactly but like you had like one muncie that year and you did pretty damn well at worlds and i was like shit this is actually like i, I called my coach too i was like dude there's this kid who's pretty damn good <laughs> and he's gonna be racing so it was just it was really funny it was like it was like all of a sudden it like kind of changed from like just going down there and like walking away with it to like this yeah. is actually gonna be like pretty good race. Yeah, it was it was just uh, it was an interesting weekend and vibe too because it was at the very end of the season and I don't know I don't know how seriously anybody was really taking that race, but it was it was a fun yeah. time. It was a good time. It was good to meet you in person and like see what you were all about. You blew me away on the run, so that was. <laughs> That was uh, yeah. that wasn't so fun, but <laughs> the run was something else. That God, I did not have fun. It was a little warm. It was a little toasty. <laughs> and yeah. Cam was also looking up your splits and like past past results. Year. Yeah, past results. I did the exact same thing you did. And I think I remember Cam saying like. It's all right. I think I've got him on the bike looking at your 70.3 Texas bike, right? Mm -hmm. But then Miami, man. Yeah. <laughs> what changed? Like, what did you... Such a noticeable difference. What did you change between your bike? Yeah, so 
70.3 Texas, I was, I, I wasn't like into the sport. Like I was still so new to the sport. I had no clue what the hell I was doing. Right. Um, so like my training just like straight up wasn't there. Like I wasn't working with a coach. I was just like, I'm going to go do a 70.3 and like, you know, whatever. It was just like my first 70.3 didn't really do any structured training. Um, and I just kind of, my claim to fame was I just ran super fast and at Texas. Yeah. So after that is when I like started working with my coach and just got a lot more fit between then and Miami. Okay. So how was that race? Cause I, I sort of remember when I was first starting to, I think it was like 20, I don't even remember. I think it was like 2015. I did, I did 7.3 Muncie on like without a coach and no structured training. And I just remember at the end of that race, I was, I didn't know anything about nutrition and I had to get hooked up to an IV uh-huh. after the race. Did anything similar oh like God. that happen with you at Texas or were you fine? No, I was fine. It okay. was, uh, I was, honestly, it was like cold because I was preparing for a hot day. Right. Because it's Texas. And like, I was there for like a week leading up to the race because it was like spring break. And it was 80 plus degrees every day. But then like a storm came in the night before the race. <sighs> so it was like 60 degrees and like people were being like taken off with like hypothermia and stuff. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a nightmare. Crazy. So I imagine if it was hotter, I probably would have had nutrition issues, but I was fine. You got away with it. Yeah. Um, So 2018 was also the year that you basically, obviously you said, started working with your coach, and then you sort of like propelled this whole full send platform. What was... (sighs) what was like your motivation to start that community and start working with a coach and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. Well, I started working with a coach. That was, that's kind of separate from the full send thing. Okay. Um, that was just because, uh, it was more, it's such a, it's such an odd, interesting situation, I guess. He, I reached out to this kid, Spencer Ralston, um, because I kept seeing like nor'easter triathlon, like Spencer was like winning all these races, or at least so it seemed from like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Somehow I ended up Facebook friends with my coach, and his name was like nor'easter triathlon, and I had no clue what the hell it was. <laughs> and coming from running, like running is different than triathlon in that like there's running teams, there's running groups, there's right. like pro running groups. You know, Bowerman Track Club, Oregon Project, Brooks Beast, and JNY. Yeah. So I thought Nor'easter Triathlon was like that. So I was okay. like, yo, Spencer, what's the deal with this, like, Nor'easter Triathlon thing? Like, how do I, like, get on it? You know, like, because that would be sick if I was, like, doing that after college other than, like, <laughs> getting an actual job. Right. So then I ended up on the phone with my coach, and he was like, yeah, and, you know, this is what I charge for coaching. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm like, so sorry. Like I didn't realize, you know, it was like hundreds of dollars a month. <laughs> sorry for wasting your time. Like I thought this was something completely different. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, no worries. Um, but we're doing this, like we call it a DTE daily training environment, just basically like a camp in the summer for like two months. And I was like, Oh, well like that could be pretty sick. Like I graduate college, then I'll go to the summer and like, you know, kind of do what every, you know, triathlete ever wants to do, just train with people, you right. know, live in a house all summer and train together for two months. Right. So I did that 
during those two months, that was the first time I ever had a coach, and that was leading right up to age group nationals. Oh. And then, you know, after I won age group nationals, I like drank the Kool Aid, and I was like, okay, like, <laughs> yes, I will keep you as a coach. <laughs> so that was that was kind of like how how and why I started working with a coach. If it wasn't for that, I don't know if I ever would have. Okay. Um, honestly, which which would have just been the end of my career. I I wouldn't have probably gotten any better than I was. And then full send that it wasn't really like a planned thing. I kind of just kept like kept it rolling like as I went along because uh-huh. I there was like the quote that USAT put in their like post race you know article yeah where that everyone thought was like really funny and I was like okay like that's cool so then I got like a little hat for myself that was like embroidered hashtag full send yeah and I was like oh I'm gonna like start selling the hat you know but I wasn't like planning necessarily on that but I was like oh like other people want this like I'll sell it and I sold you know a bunch but my margins were really low so I made like two hundred dollars and I was like that's enough to like launch a website so I was like all right I kind of want to get like a race kit for myself but like other people are probably going to want it as well so like why don't I just kind of like make a little team out of it and that's you know it just, it just kind of kept snowballing from there right um so I guess off of that are are you still working with that same coach two years later yes yes okay yes and is that still a separate entity from full send yes <laughs> okay and then I guess I've also seen you there's so many teams that you've been a part of the also the so after college so you graduated in 2018 is that right yeah from clemson okay and then you're now racing or i guess you were racing with queen's triathlon yes still am okay and are you your graduate graduate degree right yeah yes so i'm getting my mba um i'm still in it so i'm I'm in two classes right now. It's all online. Okay. So that's why I'm like in Charleston and shit. It's just online. So okay. I, I'm, I'm in two classes right now. I got two classes in the summer. Um, obviously, Collegiate Nationals was canceled this year. Right. They're probably going to have that race in the fall um, alongside the NCAA Women's National Championship. Okay. And then the secret weapon that we got in our back pockets is that I'm taking my last class that I need to graduate in the fall, nice. which would then make me eligible <laughs> for 2021. Nice. <laughs> yeah. God, the NCAA loopholes and all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a mess. Exactly. But on the subject of teams, sort of at the end of 2018, at least f- f- from what I figure is the end of 2018, um, Swift Academy application opened up. Uh, yes. So walk us through sort of what that looked like. I know in 2018, at least from following along with their their Kona squad in 2018, it wasn't like all that they had expected. Um, and I think it was only like three people. And then it moved on to what? The six or what was it? Seven? Eight. Pe- yeah, eight people that they had in 2019. Yeah. So, so yeah, just walk us through what that application looked like going into 2019. Yeah, so the 2018 application was pretty, or I guess the, you know the one I did going into 2019. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was literally just like a Google form, and it was like fill this out, and I was like, okay, it was like not long. It was just a few questions. It was like, what is was your best race? What 
what, you know, like rate yourself in the three disciplines, like from zero to 10. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, how are they going to like pick a team off of this? You know, you know, I was like, they, they obviously must have done like a lot of research themselves, you know, right. like, cause you can say anything, you can say you did a three fifty, you know, half Ironman, but, <laughs> you know, if they're obviously going to have to like verify that. So I guess they just did that, you know, on their end anyway. Right. And then a couple months went by and I hadn't heard anything from them. And I was like, kind of starting to think maybe I didn't make it. Um, but then finally we got an email saying that we made like the short list. Okay. Um, and we had to send a video. They only gave us a week to make the video. I mean, we were all pretty pissed about that. Jeez, they were yeah. like, they emailed us on like a Wednesday, and they were like, "You need to submit a video by Sunday." Oh my gosh! And I was like, Sh-. I was like, what? I was like, I have, a, I'm like working, I'm like training, like at least give us like two weeks. That'd be more reasonable, right? Um, so I made like a little five minute video. It was pretty funny. Uh, made them laugh, and then after that. Then I just had to like, uh, I talked to one of the, the Zwift people on the phone. Um, we just chatted a little bit, probably just to make sure that I wasn't like, you know, some like weirdo. Um, <laughs> and then after that, they told me I was on the team. Wow. Okay. It just, it, from looking at what it was this year, so 2019 going into 2020 with, they had all the like uh-huh. the Zwift workouts and run and bike workouts. It just sounds uh, it's just crazy how much it shifted from year to year. But yeah, just... so they had, yeah, they had a ton more people apply this year. Right. Um, and obviously you had to, they changed it so that you had to go through the actual Academy program on Zwift. So you had to do like six bike workouts right. and, I'm not sure the number of, you know, four or five run workouts and then like a bike TT and a run TT on Zwift. And then they had a data analysis company this year take all that and everyone who finished the program kind of crunched the numbers and then they were able to give Zwift like 200 names and be like, here's the top 200. So it kind of made it easier on on the Zwift end of things to decide. That's so interesting. And that's... Was this year with no like race history? It was just based on the Zwift Academy program on Zwift. To at least yeah, to your I knowledge, I don't. I don't know what they did um, after that, but I'm assuming. I'm assuming what happened is, you know, they got the like you know top 200 or top 300 um, from the you know Academy program in Zwift, and then reached out to them and was like, "Hey, like we want to learn more about you." Okay. Interesting. I think a lot of that probably too has to do with how successful the team was this year. Oh yeah. And like that in turn is just like fantastic marketing to be a part of the Zwift team. Moving forward. Yeah. 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 And they had, you know, like last year they had just a couple thousand applications. Okay. And that was like a lot for them to go through because, you know, they were just doing it all by hand. Mm -hmm. So this year, you know, the team kind of grew exponentially. Obviously, 2018, you know, who knows how the people on it in 2018 first found out about it because I, I didn't even know what a triathlon was back then. <laughs> and then, 
you know, 2019, it kind of picked up a little steam, got a couple thousand applicants, and I don't know the final numbers for, you know, this this year's applications, but it, it was in the tens of thousands, possibly even, you know, 100,000. I wouldn't even be surprised if it was that many. Wow. That's, That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but coming back to your experience, so after you were selected for the team, um, you met the whole team at, like, team camp, right? Yeah. Yeah, so the first team thing we had was a camp in May. We went out to uh, specialized headquarters out in California, and we spent, like, a week there. Okay, so walk us through, like, a typical day at team camp. Typical day, we woke up, and we had to leave the hotel if you wanted to swim you had to leave the hotel at 6 a.m okay or at least that's what they would say but every day i was down there at 5:55, ready to leave and 6 a.m rolled around and nobody else was in the hotel lobby jeez they were, they were late every day everyone and i was i was trying to keep everyone on time but it just didn't happen uh, yeah, but then we'd swim, go back to the hotel, have breakfast, and then we would usually head over to um, Specialized, uh, their headquarters, mm-hmm. and do something different, like, each day. So, like, you know, the one day we had, like, a tour of you know, the Specialized headquarters, and then, obviously, one day... The long, busy day was when we all got, like, wind tunnel tested and bike fit. Um, And then there was one day to tour California, like, the bike race came through, and it actually finished. The finish line was on the same road that our hotel was on. Oh, my. So then, yeah, so that was cool. And then, like, Specialized had, like, a a party at their headquarters that night. Wow. and then there was one day that we went, we drove like 45 minutes up to like, like more like mountainous terrain. And we like did like a long bike ride, like up this big mountain. Wow. Pretty sick. That is so cool. Um, a little weird question. I just remember watching the YouTube videos of this whole experience and they asked this one question. Did anyone surprise you at team camp? And everybody, on the, <laughs> everybody on the team said that you surprised them, but we haven't heard the the flip side did anybody surprise you at team camp oh man that's a really good question um gosh honestly it's so tough to say because it's so tough to say looking back now that i actually know them like a lot a lot better yeah um i and to be honest i did not really like stalk them as much as you might think i did like on instagram going into camp okay so i kind of didn't have too many expectations all i knew was levi looked really like attractive and <laughs> like model and he got there and it's true he is that good looking <laughs> all right so no surprise there <laughs> um i guess with the whole zwift like experienced like at team camp i'm sure like they went over like goals for you guys i mean they obviously made it public that kona was a big goal for the entire team but how did like their goals contrast with what you had set out with with like the shorter draft legal races and obviously usat olympic distance yeah so 
the goal, you know, and, and it, I obviously talked with my coach about it um, once I applied, and I was like, hey, like, if I get accepted to this thing, like, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, it, if when you look at me as, like, an athlete and, like, my, my I guess, long-term plan as an athlete – you know, doing racing Ironman isn't really in that plan. Right. You know, when I'm 20, 23 years old. Um, but at the same token, it was like an experience you can't say no to. Right. So that's why I said I was like, I was like, I do like a once in a lifetime thing. This is like why we do the sport. Like when an opportunity comes like this, you have to take it. Like I might never get the chance to go to Tacona again. Like, right. If I go pro, then, you know, making it as a pro is, like, completely different than making it as an amateur. So, like, this is my shot. And, like, anyway, so we we, we said if I do it, we're going to do it. So um, once I got on the team, Kona became the 100% only goal for the season. And everything else was, like, a, a, a side note. So even in USAT nationals, like the Olympic distance that I raced, mm-hmm. my coach, my coach was urging me not to race it. Wow. Because it wouldn't, you know, it was, we raced UK, which was my qualifying race in July. And then USAT nationals was like three or four weeks after that. And then, you know, it was only another, you know, two months until, um, Kona. So we were we were really in crunch time um, for training, especially since I hadn't been training for the Ironman distance for a long time. So that doing nationals, it was basically erasing like a week and a half of training when you considered you know tapering for it a little bit and then recovering from it. Right. And you know we're like we're like adding up the weeks and saying like we only you know when you think we have to taper for Kona, we have to recover from the UK. So in between there's only like eight weeks to actually train and you know we're going to take another week and a half out of there to race nationals right um but i was i really wanted to do it um, <laughs> so. well that's important i mean that's important i mean we have the, that those sort of same conversations with our coach too and it's like he advises us not to do something but if it's important enough for us we'll make it happen yeah. one way or another exactly Justin, Justin, did you, did you know you were going to go pro like before like everything in 2019 happened? Did you have a good idea? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was always, it was always, uh, uh, a matter of when will I go pro? Okay. Not necessarily a question of, of will I. Okay. I love the confidence there. Yeah. Well, Uh, I mean, especially after, after I, um, one in 2018 that qualified me for my pro card so right there you go and then you get you get a year once you qualify to take it and then i qualified for it again in the spring i got second at claremont edr and then i got third at collegiate nationals and both of those qualified me for it again so it just it just keeps extending that one year right and then i i olympic nationals again i qualified for it so i you know that's a whole nother year from august so right. you know i just kind of kept having it in my back pocket another thing i just wanted to note quick was um i know like you i know you mentioned like you didn't i guess the question is like 
I personally, at our age, since we're like only a year apart, I personally would not have felt ready to do full distance racing, but I 100% agree with you that like Kona and like every triathlete's bucket list race and just this whole Zwift Academy support is like the ideal time to, Mm -hmm. to like take advantage of it. Um, but did you feel confident, I guess, going into Ironman UK that you were going to get the slot? Like... I guess that's more in like, did you, cause you were around the same time you were still doing like shorter distance stuff. Did you totally yeah. ca- like calibrate your training to Ironman at that time? Or like, did you just sort of hope that you had it like uh, locked in? Yeah. So like I said, once I got on the team, um, which we found out end of February, basically February, March. Um, so once I got on the team, it was like, all right, and from like this point forward, the focus is on Ironman. So we were training for Ironman and from that point on, um, so that, that went into picking a race, you know, we needed to give myself time to train for the qualifying race, which is why I did the UK because it was in July. Um, you know, as opposed to doing something more early season, like, you know, I could have done like Ironman Texas. But that's in April. Right. So I would have had to literally just be like, all right, I'm doing an Ironman next month, like not having ever trained for it. So that gave us, you know, what, March, April, May, June, you know, four months um, to train for an Ironman. Um, I did race a draft legal sprint three weeks before Ironman UK. Okay. But, you know, you talk about like A races. And Ironman UK obviously was like the A race. That draft legal sprint was like a D race. You know, it was okay. like, you know, we didn't even taper for it at all. It was just right in our backyard. And I had a couple of my teammates racing it. And it was just like a fun, like, you know, thing to do, you know. But we were we were solely focused on the, on the Ironman distance at that point. Okay. So, Justin, what was it like not racing in a Speedo? man that that was uh that was probably the worst part of the academy (laughs) is that they did not let us race in a speedo they didn't even give us one at all i like that was like the first thing i asked for i was like can we get like an orange speedo that says swift like that's all i want yeah and they were like oh like yeah we'll 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 think about it uh you know we'll we'll try to make it happen they it, uh, it just it never happened I kept asking, and it kept not happening. Jeez. Seems like a simple <laughs> ask, though, in the grand scheme of that's things. All I, that's all I wanted. <laughs> right? Like, they give us the bike, they get the, the Wahoos, and the all the SIS, and the Specialized, and the Roca. But, you know, a, a simple swimsuit, that's all I wanted. <laughs> um, what, like, I guess, what was did Zwift sort of dictate anything around full send? Like, did they tell you not to promote that brand? Like as you were competing for them during that year? Yeah. So they, they said to me, um, you know, when they took me on, they said, we don't want there to be confusion about what team you're on. Okay. You know, it's like, you're on, you know, the Zwift Academy. And I was like, all right, yeah, fair enough. Um, so I think it was, it was pretty obvious that I was on Zwift, like the whole year, especially like 
through my social media channels. Yeah. Um, the the only issue really what is that like I do still like own and manage full send. So it's not like I can completely remove myself from it. Right. Um, but you know, in terms of, you know, racing and, and training, you know, as 90% of the time I was wearing orange and, right. <laughs> you know, everything I posted to my Instagram was pretty much, you know, orange. Right. Um, yeah, I did, I do, I did still race in like a full send hat or visor. Yeah. Just cause that's my thing, you know, add a little personal touch to it. Yeah, of um, course. You know, I didn't. I didn't even ask them if I could do that. It was just kind of like I'm gonna do it. Like, there's no point in asking because, like, even if you say no, like, it's my thing. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I. So the beginning of the season, obviously, with the team camp, there was a lot of like press or whatever about that and all the support that you guys got, and then obviously a lot also happened at Kona. What sort of support did you guys get from the academy during like the middle of the season? And like, what was the team community? What was like the team community with the other athletes like when you didn't see them in that big time gap? Really good question. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough with when the team is so spread out. It, we're not even all in the same country. You know, it's right. like there's two in the U.S., two in the U.K., one in Canada, one in Australia, and one in Germany. I don't, I don't know where Philip was. He was moving around all the time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, it was, it was pretty hands-off, I guess, in terms of, you know, they got us all set up with the gear um, and all the equipment. So, you know, that was good to be able to use in training and especially useful to be able to, you know, practice with the SIS products yeah. um, all year. Um, but you know, it, it's not like the Zwift Academy was our coach or coaching us at all. So, right. you know, I was still working with my personal coach, um, which, you know, so there's, there's not much they could do from like that end of things. Okay. Um, we did have a, you know, obviously like a team group chat that, you know, we just like, you know, kind of mess around in and it was pretty funny and making jokes all the time and you know, supporting each other, you know, when they would go to their races and their qualifying races and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it was a big help for me in that, you know, there was so many people on the team who had ha already had success at the Ironman distance and I've been doing it a while. Yeah. So all my new, I, you know, there's so many questions you have, you know, when you're first doing an Ironman, like, you know, <laughs> the way you do transitions and like set up transitions and you have to like transition bags and, yeah. and stuff like that. Like, you know, you know, I, I consider myself, you know, at this point in the sport, like, you know, a pretty advanced triathlete, but I'm still like, I don't know how to do a tr tr transition in Ironman. Like, right. When do I bring my bags? What do I put in each bag? Can I, can I get to the bags like before the race? So, yeah. you know, like stupid, stupid questions like that. Like, you know, they, they answered for me and, you know, obviously a lot of on like nutrition and like, you know, I guess mental preparation, like going into it. And we had the mentors, Tim Don and Sarah True. Yeah. Um, Sarah is, they're both so great. But Sarah, one night, I'm, you know, I hadn't, you know, and, and to preface, I hadn't necessarily been in contact with Sarah at this point, you know, in. You know, we, we, you know, it was maybe a couple weeks or, you know, a, a many days without 
talking or having any conversation with Sarah. And I get an email in my inbox at like 8.30 p.m. on like just some random night. And she, she was like, hey, just thinking about you and your first race at Ironman UK. And she sent me like a two-page PDF <laughs> of tips for like my first Ironman. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is so sick. Like, it's so helpful. Like you were just, I didn't even ask for this, you know, it was just like, you know, she was out there, you know, thinking of me. So like, that's awesome. You know, we, we really were like supported, you know, even though we weren't able to all be, you know, together or training together or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to hear, I guess that Zwift didn't provide any coaching and stuff, but it's like, it's interesting that they sort of just let you do your own thing with your own coach and fully trusted everybody to do whatever they need to do to get to Kona. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, and that, that is, it is. And it is just, like, interesting. Um, but, you know, at the same token, that's, I think, what we all wanted. You know, like, yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I work with my coach. I work well with my coach. Yeah. I trust my coach. So I, I want to work with him. Um you know, and I think I think Zwift. You know, that's part of the application process and and vetting the athletes and just knowing that you know they'll be able to you know train train properly. I guess. Yeah. Um, which is, I, I guess, when they picked me, like I was the only one who hadn't done an Ironman, had pretty much no experience at the different at, at the distance. So it was really, I guess, you know, kind of taking a risk on me. Um, but you know, I guess it, it all works out, Yeah. but yeah, there was no, there wasn't even any like of Zwift, like checking in on, on our training itself. Okay. Um, it was very, it was very hands off wow. of our training. Huh. Um, so throughout the entire 2019 season, it was like in 2018. Yeah, it was just kind of crazy uh-huh. how much you jump around from distance to distance and achieve like outstanding results at all of them. So how have you and your coach maintained such a high level of consistency from each distance? Mm-hmm. So it's and obviously there's no like one answer or not necessarily an answer that I, I know for a fact is the answer, but you know, one of, one of my ideas is like, like fitness is fitness. You know, if you're fit, you're fit. Like if Jan Ferdino is out there training for the Ironman, but he shows up just like, you know, something like a super league, like I still got my money on the guy cause he's just so fit. Right. Um, and, and, you know, while it might not be ideal, um, you know, the fitness is still there. So it is transferable. Um, and then the other thing that is, you know, kind of, I guess, more specific to the way we train is we do hit all of our, you know, energy systems. When you think of like, you know, lactate threshold, FTP, like anaerobic capacity, VO2 max, like, I don't even know, but all those fancy words, um, we, we train all all those like year round. Right. So while I'm training for Ironman and yes, the focus might be on, you know, a lot of, a lot of sub threshold work and a lot of, you know, Ironman race pace work. Yeah. You know, we were still 
going out and doing like hard, you know, five minute efforts, like VO2 max intervals. Um, you know, obviously not as much, that's not the focus, but it's still there because you don't want to let those, you know, systems kind of like, you know, waste away right. because you, you haven't trained your VO2 max in like three months. So we'd always make sure to hit everything. Um, so that way come a little drop legal sprint race, you know, you can still put out 25, 30 minute power on the bike and, and run a fast 5k. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, that's, that's, I guess all I got. Mm-hmm. That's my answer. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Um, on kind of a similar note, so we know from experience when we do big race after big race and huge build after huge build, they don't seem as big and as important anymore. So something that came up when we were talking earlier was, you know, have you ever struggled with burnout or lack of motivation um, in training and racing, whatever it may be? Um, I, th- I think ever since, ever since I after 2018, uh, I would say no, because I've always, and this is something I've thought about. It hasn't happened yet. And I'm wondering if it will happen because I've always, everything has been so new to me, uh, up, up until this point, And it even will continue to be new to me because I'm going to start racing professionally. Yeah. But it was like, you know, my first, you know, age, like national championship, you know, and I did like the Olympic, I did the sprint, I did the 70.3, like those were all like new experiences for me. Then the next year comes and I'm on the Zwift Academy and it's like, okay. And well, first I raced like, you know, collegiate nationals again, like new, like team experience, like so sick. And I was like, all right, shift focus. Now we're going to do Ironman distance. Like that's new to me. So, you know, it, it's tough to get burnt out when everything's been so new. And then I qualified for Kona and it's like, all right, well now we're training for Kona. And like, even though while it's still an Ironman, it's like completely different. And it's like, obviously Kona. So (laughs) it's sick. And like, you're motivated to do that. And then after Kona, it's like, all right, well now I'm going to go professional and race professionally. And like, again, that's like a new experience. Um, So I haven't, I haven't necessarily struggled with it yet but it is something that i think about because you know like and when i was on on swift and in in kona and at team camp i'm like you know tim don is like he could be like my dad he's like 44 (laughs) or something and Uh, and like sarah is like 37 and it's like they just been doing it for so long and you know i i think i i think i asked them um like you know, like basically that question, like, how do you, how do you do it? Like you've been doing the same thing for like 15 years. Right. And I don't really, I don't really remember the answer. I think they kind of like got sidetracked, but Jeez. yeah, <laughs> I wish, I wish I did remember the answer, but yeah, I don't know. It, it is something I think about. Yeah. So on the subject of Kona, um, we obviously have no experience with Kona, um, did it live up to all the hype and like, was it the ultimate bucket list race for triathletes? Uh, yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not one to just say that. Like, I'm not a person who would just say that if I didn't actually mean it and if I didn't actually think it, um, I had all of the doubts going into Kona, such as like, Oh, can it actually be that hot? Oh, 
can it actually be that windy? Right. Oh, is everybody actually that good? And like the, the answer to all those questions is yes. Um, it is stupid hot. It is stupid windy. I'm, I was riding down from Javi. I did the whole descent from Javi in like my base bars because I was too scared to ride in my aero bars because, wow. you know, there were gusts of winds that was coming off from the coast that would just like hit you like a punch, like right in the side. And like, Jeez. if I was in my aero bars, I would just like not comfortable because your descent, like you're going fast down this descent and like yeah. these gusts were, were they're so unpredictable and they're so hard. Um, especially when you got like, you know, deep rims and, and a bike like the, the shiv I was on, it had that big thing on the back. Yeah. So there was actually one time I was blown all the way across the side of the road. So I was like on the right, obviously riding on the right side of the road and it blew me all the way to the left side of the road where I was almost going off the road, um, on the Reef. other side. Reef. Um, and then, and yeah, so it was definitely windy definitely hot and definitely like the atmosphere is insane so like after that like I, i've been telling people who are in, like if you're into the sport if you're a triathlete even if you're not going to race you know you got to try to make it to kona once in your lifetime just because the atmosphere is insane wow we're that it's on our list for sure yeah um <laughs> so what we've seen like, even if you're like 50 years old and you're like let's just take a vacation this year fly out to kona in october and like be there you know it's worth it worth um so from like the what were they called the zwift videos like, i don't know there the zwift academy videos from what we've seen from what zwift was putting out um it looked yeah. like there was a very high level of support um from them but like kind of what was it like behind the scenes living in the house and training with everyone and so on in kona yeah, in Kona, it was a, uh, you know, obviously being on the the team, um, it comes with the whole marketing side of it because you know Zwift is doing this so that you know ultimately it's marketing for them. It looks good for the brand, you know, it, it draws in a lot of attention and it and it brings up you know the subscriptions on Zwift and makes more money. Mm -hmm. um, so there were you know a, a lot. In, the main things that they were all dealing with um, during the week was like our content sessions. So like, you know, going out to the energy lab and doing like a run together so we could get like photos and videos. Mm. Um, same thing. We did like a bike ride, like up to Javi. So we get some, you know, photos and videos together. Um, you know, swim sessions again, there was basically, you know, one of the guys there was basically, you know, his, his job title for the week was literally roaming photographer wow. just because he was there only to take photos like all week. Um, and then obviously also the whole time they had uh, the documentary filmmaker who was there. So she would, you know, pull us out for like interviews and stuff all the time. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a lot of like getting content um, and, and trying to balance getting content with preparing for the race. Yeah. Huh. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, a little give and take, um, but yeah, it, it's pretty cool. And then obviously we got to train with like all of each other. So, yeah. you know, just new training partners, like, Oh, like I'm riding like my bike with some guy from Australia and you know, the conversations that happen, you know, it just, it's just really, 
you know, opens you up to, you know, more viewpoints and, and, you know, triathlon in Germany, triathlon in Australia, triathlon in, you know, South Africa and, you know, meeting so many different people and all the people that worked at Zwift that were there, you know, it, it was, a, it was a really good time. Like we, we had a lot of fun, like at, at the, at the Kona house in Zwift, we had a lot of fun, um, pretty much always laughing. Good. How did you feel going into the race? Um, I didn't, I didn't feel as confident as I would have liked to. Okay. Um, like I felt, I felt pretty, pretty confident going into Ironman UK. We had like, like I said, we had like three to four months to really train for that and build up. And then after that, you know, it was, it was, you know, a few weeks rest and then I raced, you know, the Olympic nationals. So we didn't have as long of like a build period. Yeah. Um, and, and plus like how much more fit can you get in like, you know, a month or two. Right. So, you know, but it's what I had, you know, the fitness is what I had. Um, and then of course, if, if you know what happened, I, I, was running and at mile 13.1 I stopped and had to walk the rest of the way because my hip was hurting me so bad that I had to walk and couldn't run. Um, I didn't necessarily know that my hip would be that bad in the race, but it had been bothering me for probably like two at least two months leading up to the race wow. probably more than two months so okay you know i was worried about that going into it did you i mean obviously morgan and i also have a terrible pitfall of researching the start lists going into races did you oh my god <laughs> did you have some guys that you were looking out for at the beginning of the race uh, dude i had uh Excel spreadsheet that I made. Morgan does the exact same thing. <laughs> Dude, they, um, Justin, they, you got to break it. This, Sorry. Yeah, they, they released the start list, obviously, and I was like, all right, well, there's only, I don't know, there wasn't too many guys in my age group, you know, 18 to 24, it's probably like the smallest age group. Yeah. So, you know, I, lo- I, I literally looked into each kid and I made an Excel spreadsheet of like, you know, where was their qualifying race? What was their splits in that race? Uh, what was their finish time? And then after looking at that, you know, I was able to say like, all right, you know, you can just take a whole bunch of them and say, all right, these guys are going to be like non-factors basically. Right. Um, and, that, and then you're left with, you know, that handful of, you know, there's the few who are like, these guys are good. Like they had a, obviously like a good performance. And then you have like, the handful that's like, you know, you can't really tell. You don't know the course. You don't know the conditions on the day. Right. But, you know, could could be a threat. Like, keep your eye on it. Um, so I, I, I gave that, you know, my girlfriend was there. My parents were there. So they, they had the uh, Excel spreadsheet. And I was, when I got onto the run, I was uh, maybe like somewhere around 10th or 11th place in my age group. Okay. And I was just... I'm kind of, I wish I was maybe a little nicer about it, but when you're in the heat of the moment, I was just kind of yelling at my parents and my girlfriend. I was like, I was like, look at the, like, look at the spreadsheet. Like, 
I need to know who in front of me can run like faster than like a three ten marathon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like you know if, if they couldn't run you know fast or they haven't run fast, it's like they're not really a factor. But I, I was trying, you know, I was trying to figure out in the race like how fast do I need to run because obviously I'm trying to you know I'm trying to win the race. So I don't really care about getting second. Yeah. So like if I need to run a 240 marathon to win, like I'm going to run that pace for as long as I can. Yeah. Uh, but I was just trying to figure out, um, you know, how fast I needed to run. But yeah, and yeah, that, the, the original question, yes, I did a lot of research on the people who I was going to be racing against. Pro tip, Justin, when you're making your spreadsheet, look up each contender's best split and combine those for their best possible time. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> so imagine everyone's that having a really good tip, right? The, their best the issue, day. I, and the issue I had making my spreadsheet is that um, not many kids had a lot of experience you know right. a lot of them were in a similar position to me yeah whereas their first ever iron man was their qualifying race right wow. so there weren't a, I, so That's i did have little notes where i was like okay this kid also raced a 70.3 and had a fast run split um and things like that but yeah no that is a really good tip <laughs> i love it i love this side of you um <laughs> so, so on kind of again a similar front um do you have any pre-race rituals like the night before the day before uh no i'm not i'm not big into the the superstition stuff like that right. um you know like i like i like to obviously i do get like nervous and like anxious and excited and like stressed out about like big races like this so i i try to not stress over the little things like oh my god i need to eat oatmeal and half a banana for breakfast but like what if you don't have oatmeal or you don't have a banana so i just you know i try not to worry about it um anything like that i just you know night before obviously try to get all my things together so that you reduce as much stress as you can on race morning. So you just wake up and you got your bag of stuff that you grab and you put on your race kit and you're at the door. Um, but yeah, no, no weirder or funny or interesting, uh, you know, rituals like that. Okay. So, so after the race, what, what happened to the Zwift team? Like what, what did that look like? after all was said and done um so after like immediate like the night after the race or like the months after the race i guess I, i'd love to hear both <laughs> well so after the race finished um i i was i think the last oh no i was not the last yvonne was at she started after me i was the second to last person to finish on the team um, so basically everyone was just waiting for me to finish so that they could go home. So <laughs> I think while everyone seemed very excited to see me when I finished, <laughs> I think it was less so, uh, that I finished and more so that they could go home now. Yeah. <laughs> so we drove up, uh, we went home and it, you know, if you, you guys haven't done an Ironman, but you could probably imagine how tired you are. Oh, yeah. So we pretty much just nothing really happened that night. Um, but luckily and thankfully, you know, Zwift, obviously the 
we had such a large supporting cast from Zwift with us there that, you know, we didn't need to go back down and, and pick up our bikes uh, from wow. Transition. They did that for us. That's nice. Might, that, might, that might be the, uh, you know, most unsung best part of being on Swift Academy <laughs> is that I didn't have to go pick up my bike after I was just out on the Queen K for like six hours walking. Right. Um, and then, you know, obviously the next day is kind of like when everyone goes out and, you know, goes out on the town and, you know, parties it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's fun. And, you know, getting to kind of let loose with all the, all the triathletes and again, just meeting so many like cool people from around the world who are like, you know, do triathlon and like have amazing stories. Yeah. Um, and then after Kona, we actually went all of us, almost all of us, we flew to California. Um, cause we had never seen, we had never like been to Zwift, like the Zwift offices and the Zwift headquarters. Okay. So we all flew to California and spent a night there. And then the next day, like visiting, um, the Zwift offices and they actually had us, the athletes, um, you know, cause it was like a Monday. So Zwift was like, you know, they were like fully operational. Yeah. Um, but during lunchtime they had us do like a, a Q and a like panel for the entire office. Um, as part of like, their like wellness Wednesday, like series. Wow. Yeah. Um, so now like after that whole Kona experience, I think at least from my knowledge, I think four Zwift Academy athletes are now pro. Is that right? Me, Ruth, Nadia, and Levi. Yeah. Four. Okay. Do you feel that like Zwift helped propel you guys sort of? like help propel your pro careers forward? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, like I said, for me, I was always going to go pro. It was just a matter of when. Yeah. And, you know, no matter how the 2019 season went, you know, I was pretty much just going to race pro, um, 2020. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think for all of us, um, it, it definitely did help propel our pro careers not necessarily in the sense of being faster but in the sense of you know being more marketable to other sponsors yeah um, because we were in you know such a big spotlight being on the swift academy team that it just opened the door to to other people saying like okay like this is the value that this kid, you know, me or one of the other people on the team can bring to a company. You yeah. know, if, if I'm going to sponsor them, like, like Zwift proved it, you know, that, you know, we bring value to companies. Um, so from that aspect, yes, it definitely did help propel our pro career. Also, you know, again, back to like the mentors, Tim Don and Sarah True. Yeah. You know, I had a, a lot of just, you know, hanging around with them and talking with them about, you know, going pro and, and, you know, race, you know, differences in pro races and age group races. And, you know, so just having those conversations are always, you know, a good thing to have. Um, and again, you know, just super great experience and thankful I was a part of it. So, given the current state of the world, um, basically, like, everything has been just like, 
blown up and i as far as we know like even races in like june for us have been canceled so so how are you handling training and everything right now and sort of like what's next for you especially like given injuries and stuff like that yeah so like i said um at kona my hip kind of gave out uh and i had to walk half the thing i'm still not like healthy from that i i still am not really running um i am running but it hurts me to run and i'm only doing like 30 minute jogs a few times a week Jeez. um yeah it's it just it's so frustrating it is so frustrating because you know i got home from kona and i like saw a physical therapist and i was like you know hey here's like the situation you know the whole physical therapist thing and then you know i start doing like the strength exercises like she told me to do and I'm doing those, and, like, it's not getting any better. So I was like, all right, not, nothing's getting better. So then, like, I got an MRI, and I had, like, a tiny little tear in my labrum. But anyway, I saw, like, a specialist doctor in New York City, and he's like, the tear in your labrum, dude, everybody has tears in their labrum. It's not an issue. Jeez. Uh, you can start running again. Wow. And I was like, all right. I was like, all right. So, like, I start I, – I had, like, stopped running completely. So I was feeling a little better. So I start running again, and not that long after, the pain comes back. And I'm like, all right, obviously I'm not better. Um, and then I I was driving through Charlotte, which is where my uh, college is, Queens University. So I saw the athletic trainer there, and, you know, just yet another diagnosis and more exercises and things to do that didn't work. And then I saw some guy in Florida just recently and again yet another diagnosis and more things to do um that i'm doing but you know it's just throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks i guess but yeah it's just really frustrating so as far as you know for me races getting canceled you know i wasn't really going to be doing any races anyway at this point like we hadn't really picked any out because it's like you know i I haven't run like I, I can't run so like what's the point of picking a race so none of my races got canceled because I didn't have any um so I guess I guess it for me I guess it's it's good a good thing that the races are getting canceled yeah. I don't know but what's next I mean who knows it, it's tough to say it's, this injury has been so long um and so kind of stubborn that we don't know when it's gonna get better right. so I, I can't really say what's next but you know, it's going to be, you know, Ironman, like, 70.3 races or, like, you know, pro, like, Olympic races, like, uh, you know, Herbalife or Challenge Daytona or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Well, awesome. that's that's good to hear. I'm glad – or I I don't know. I guess just from my I, – I think that you've really excelled at 70.3 distances and I've – and we've fell in love with the distance and I think that you're going to be mm-hmm. really great. Um, yeah. But hopefully we see you around at one of these one of these days. My last 70.3 was the Miami man. I haven't done it since then. Jeez, okay. All right. Um, okay, so first of all, we hope that your hip heals up. Yeah, for sure. Um, second Thank of all, you. this is my favorite part of the interview, which is the rapid-fire bonus questions at the very end. Um, uh, I'm so bad at stuff like this. It's okay. They don't actually have to be rapid. Um, they're just fun. <laughs> so the first one, um, what's your favorite trainer entertainment? Like, what do you watch when you're inside training? Swift. Just Swift? 
Only Swift, no music, no <laughs> other forms of entertainment, and make sure you film in landscape mode. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> no, that's uh, kind of like it's a joke. When they when they when we would have to get videos for Swift for their like content, uh-huh. uh, they would be like, make sure like there's no music on in the background or no like. TV shows playing. We want the only form of entertainment to be Swift. No oh my way. gosh. Yeah. Okay, but like off the record? Off the record, I, I also listen to music <laughs> when the camera is not rolling. <laughs> All right, so then the next question actually was, what's your current favorite workout song? Uh, ever since... Um, Juice World passed away. I've been listening a lot to Lucid Dreams, okay. which is a great song of his. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good song to listen when you're training. Okay. All right. Um, what's your favorite piece of equipment? Oh, my favorite piece of equipment. I think I think it has to be on a, on a, on a day-to-day basis, like – my electronic shifting i have i have di2 yeah and you know it, it it just it's it's like your luxury car you know the shifts are nice you know they always work you never gotta like fiddle with the cables you know so like come race day like does di2 make you faster not necessarily but like day to day, that's got to be like my favorite. Like I'm so glad that I, I have it. It's just so nice. You know, I feel like I feel like you know a king. Love that. Is there anything else that you want to chat about? Anything you else? Anything else you want to say or? Um, just uh, full send it out there, everybody. Love that. And where can our where can our followers? Um, follow you on instagram online oh yeah you can follow me if you want Uh, it's not too entertaining but on instagram at justin underscore lippert it's a good time all we do is just uh these things called slow zooms (laughs) follow along and and you'll figure it out (laughs) awesome well thank you so much justin this has been a blast yeah thanks for coming on Of course. Cool. Thanks well, for me. good luck with your training. Good luck with your hip. Hopefully, we will talk soon. Yeah, see you out there. Yes. Hopefully, I'll see you guys out there. We'll be good. <laughs> All right. Bye, Justin. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Justin Lippert. Um, I know we did. Cam's got a list of things to quickly, briefly touch on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just quick little, like our typical try news roundup as in terms of last week's episode, or I think two episodes ago, um, was how to qualify for some of the world championship events. And I forgot one actually for Ironman Kona, the world champs, another correction from our listener listeners, but who was it? Um, who was it? It was Mitch. Yeah. Yeah. Mitch. That's like correction number two from Mitch. Mitch is our fact checker yeah but it's the kona legacy program which his dad is actually like qualified for and basically this program um actually like it's crazy that what you have to do to enable to qualify but you have to complete 
at least 12 full distance Ironman branded races um, in order to qualify for this. And you is that like ever or in one year? That's ever, okay, ever. Wow. And and you also have not ever competed in Kona. And if you wow. if you have those two things checked off, then you are entered into the lottery into getting that slot. Um, and basically, like the qualifications are, it's kind of weird, but it's basically like the like pro qualification system where you have to like obviously meet your twelve whatever, and then you never have raced it. But then you also must have raced in like at least one full distance Ironman event in the last two years to the one that you're applying for, like entering the lottery for. And then you also must be registered for a full distance Ironman in the year that you like submitted. So it's like sort of like your like verification race. Um, but yeah, that is another way in order to qualify for that, um, which I think is pretty cool. It's pretty cool like that they incentivize like loyal customers to keep keep racing the, their brand. And I mean determined athletes too i think there's something to be said for not just the money making side of it but also they're activating a group of people who have tried tried and tried to qualify for the world championship and haven't yet gotten there you know um next topic um just something that we were thinking about during this whole like covid stuff we're lucky enough to have our slots already for new zealand I don't know if it's luck as much as just like anxiety and just determination. <laughs> we were like, we've got to get another race on the calendar. Yeah, we're both qualified for 70.3 world champs in Taup. Yeah. There's debate on how to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. Taupo, New Zealand. I, we already said Taupo is fine with me at this point. Like, it's allegedly Topa. Topa, Topa. But I'm over it. I'm over that. I'm off my soapbox. Anyways, we're both qualified for that race this coming November, but If it even happens. If it happens. But basically like the whole thought process was what is like the world's qualifications going to look like this year with all the races being canceled and like what is like all American status and all world athlete status going to look like with all of these races and like seemingly like the first half of the race calendar like completely blown away or like gone and i mean it's basically like unless you qualified the last half of of 2019 from like what like end of july to december in the u.s or you live in like australia new zealand you sort of haven't really had hardly any chances to qualify for any any race really or any of the world qualifiers for a lot of people i mean the season hasn't begun the first race we had was puerto rico yeah and isn't that really like that's like the start of that's an early season race for most people yeah but it's going to be interesting based all i have to say is it's just gonna be really interesting to see what world is going to look like and like is are they just going to reduce or race with like half of the field or I can't believe that they would do that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know when this is going to end because they've canceled the Olympics now, and that's all the way in end of July into August. And Mm -hmm. by that point, this world cycle would already be over. Over. Yeah. (sighs) So, anyways, um, on the same note of everything being canceled with COVID-19, do you, Morgan, think that bike splits are going to become better or worse <laughs> in races due to all of the time zwifting? All right. And trainer roading. And trainer roading and indoor cycling and whatever. So 
I'm torn because we've talked about the lack of motivation. Yeah. I personally am dealing with this a lot. And I'm not sure, like, (laughs) my bike last night was, like, impossible and it was just, like, race power. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm just, like, exhausted, if I'm getting too much sleep, if I... Whatever. Um, So that's a very long-winded attempt at a response. I think bike splits will get faster. However, with the caveat... That I fear swim and run splits will suffer. Huh. Because no one is swimming. We're all doing these banded workouts, which I think are fantastic for keeping those muscles engaged and moving. But we've talked time and time again about confidence in the water and feel for the water. And just technique. Technique, right. You're not going to be able to work technique with those bands, really. You're strengthening your triceps and your lats and keeping that motion fluid and in your mind. But at the same time, you're not getting quality swim. And I know some people are lucky enough to have endless endless pools and the bands that they're like, it's warm enough to swim in a pool and you have a band around your waist, whatever. Um but I'm I'm less interested to see the bike splits and more interested to see how swim, swim and, run, and splits. run splits are affected. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that the stronger swimmers would definitely like historically the stronger swimmers like myself who have been swimming for the last like twenty years. I think have an easier time getting back into the swing of things. Yeah, than swimmers who struggle. Yeah, than like newer swimmers. Um, yeah, swimming is just so technique heavy that I definitely think that that one will will suffer i think i think that the bike splits i think i think races will just generally be slower i think most people are dealing with a lack of motivation and i mean sort of like what we talked with justin this episode was like fitness is fitness and swimming accounts for people's overall fitness and so does running and biking and i think just the overall fitness levels is just going to be decreased so i think i think bike splits will i think they'll be slower overall on really? average i think they'll, on average they'll be slower that's my take all right well we'll see yeah whenever the first race is yeah whenever that may be um next iron man announced this last week that it or i guess wanda sports group announced this week that it will be selling its iron man business to advanced publications um i just i don't know what's going on i don't know either (laughs) and like i tried to look up advanced publications yeah uh i can't really find much about them other than they have a significant shareholding in discovery and i think that's like the discovery channel channel sort of thing i mean i think it's obvious that right now everyone's being acquired by these larger conglomerates yeah or they're becoming a conglomerate i don't really know i don't know um (laughs) But it's just like the media industry, right? Of like the whatever years it was, 60s, when everyone was like purchased by Fox or Time Warner, right? Yeah. And like everything split into these like two or three Huge categories. Yeah. yeah. And I, I see that happening right now. I'm just not sure why. They seem to be making plenty of money otherwise. I don't know. But um, that explains why they didn't answer the PTOs. I know. Are you up texts? Yeah. So it's basically like. They sold the company for $730 million U.S. Um, in 2015, Wanda Sports Group acquired it for, let me just make sure I have it right, for $650 million. So I don't know what the adjustment for inflation is, but they obviously sold higher than they bought, mm-hmm. which is interesting because they bought with like a whole bunch of debt. 
and everything when they first acquired it in 2015. And again, as you mentioned, the PTO was like virtually just left in the dark in this whole transaction. I mean, obviously they had reached out twice now trying to get into talks about buying it. At um, least to our knowledge. At least to our knowledge, but there's still yet to be a response. And now PTO has not said anything about this transaction occurring so it's like i don't it seems like drama basically and then i just it seems like black tie drama yeah and it's also just crazy because like in their letter to iron man pto was like this could adversely affect your value and iron man was just like bet (laughs) (laughs) like seriously i'm just shocked yeah i'm i'm very very interested to see what happens next yeah. Like what this changes. It, if nothing else, it at least allows the PTO to see what, I guess, like the rest of the world values Iron Man as. And clearly it's you have to have at least $730 million to throw around in, in cash in order to buy it. So who knows if they have that much money. But if they do, I, I'm about to be a pro triathlete. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, last, I guess this is just like a – silly fact but uh not fact i don't know i'm just talking now um triathlon live the like program that you can watch all of the wts series races on that is like a free yearly subscription right now so you can go back and watch all of the previous broadcasts and stuff get some good trainer entertainment but i thought that was like a really cool thing to do right now deal for all of us out there dealing with lack of motivation or i know i have never purchased that subscription before in the past so i, I thought it was really it's cool it's not that expensive when it's expensive though not what does that mean i mean like it's like i think it's like 30 dollars a year oh which like really in the grand scheme of things isn't that much money but like i'm with you that i'm not here to pay for a subscription yeah to watch especially when like live stream yeah on instagram especially when red bull tv aka what we consider to be the best <laughs> The best, like, broadcasting in, like, endurance sports is free, and it's, like, wicked good. Mm-hmm. But. I also regret signing up for Triathlon Live, like, March 23rd, because I'm going to lose out on, like, six months of content. What do you mean? There are no races. Oh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I don't know when this is going to end. Like, I feel like, I feel like they did this very smartly to be, like, it's fine. Like we're not making money at this point anyway. And then when a year rolls around, people are going to forget to cancel because it is something that you have to like set cancel an on alarm yourself. and cancel. Okay. Yeah. Or else it like automatically debits. So did you already, uh, did you already do it? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. We're already signed up. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you signed us up. <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't know when it's going to end. Like if it ends April 1st, for hmm. instance, then we'll lose out on possibly a couple this of This is races. like the Disney Plus subscription that you got us with a good deal on. I did get us a good deal. I had to buy in for three years of subscription. But it was totally worth it because it's like, <laughs> what is it, like $2 a month or something crazy? No, we paid it lump sum in the beginning. Yeah, but what does it equal out to? Yeah, something like crazy, crazy cheap like that. So that... But anyway, so wait, how do we get to that? So you can go to triathlonlive.tv. And, Easy. Yeah, you can sign up there. It just says start free trial. Just yeah. button. 
Yeah. Um, and you do have to put in credit card information and it will automatically debit in like literally one year from the moment you press start for your tr- free trial. So maybe start it on like leap day or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, leap day's over, I unfortunately. Know. Um, no, just like think about that, the logistics of it. Yeah. And maybe set like a calendar appointment so you don't forget. The only other thing we had to talk about Oh, gosh. Cam Listen. always looks at me with these, like, creepy eyes when he knows it's something I don't want to talk about. Well, it's something that, again, Morgan constantly, not constantly, Ugh. but episode to episode, she always has something that she wants to rant about. No, I don't even want to rant. So, the rant this week's topic is... It's a very short rant. It's not even a rant. It's just, like, a general complaint, and I think it's more just personal preference, but I personally think you look very silly if you wear an arrow helmet Without the visor, but throw on a pair of, like, cycling sunglasses. I think it's a weird look. I'm just, like, not here for it. Also, something else to note is that I think it probably affects your field of vision. With just the sunglasses? Yes. Huh. Because the, the like, for instance, our Giros, right, have this, like, almost panoramic yeah. thing. If I were to put on a pair of, like, Oakleys, or, sorry, does Jiro whatever. have sunglasses? Yeah. Or like uh, Rudy's or whatever. A pair of cycling sunglasses. A pair of sunglasses. <laughs> um, I think it would limit your field of view. You have more blind spots. I guess. I don't know. I just, I also think it's just another variable you don't need to have to worry about. Like when yeah. you're down an arrow, do your glasses like fall down the bridge of your nose? Yeah. Or do you just have a vi- visor that's meant for the helmet you're currently wearing that allows you to see everything and doesn't even move? Our bike fitter Rip also tells us to seek a, a aero helmet with a visor because it's more aerodynamic there honestly there you go if you needed any other explanation that's it that's all the explanation you need yeah it's more aero <laughs> and it's more comfortable yeah i think it's more comfortable and i think it's easier in transition if you just can like slide it on i know a lot of the short distance guys like have their sunglasses in their holes of their helmet so they just throw their helmet on and go which is good if you have like a non-aero helmet, just like a normal cycling helmet. Uh-huh. And then like on the bike, they'll slip them on if it's sunny enough. But, All right. Yeah. I also think with a shorter distance triathlon. Sunglasses might not be as important or. The aerodynamic losses from that aren't going to hurt you as much as they would in a longer distance race. Right? That's true. Is that true? Yeah, but I mean, it's still marginal gains. And at their level. You need the marginal gains. You need gains. every So little... what we're saying is Ashley Gentle. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Ashley, your bread looked great. <laughs> Nobody Anything knows else? what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, Cam? Or are we just spiraling into no, I think, COVID-19 I think nonsense? that is it. Um, so again, we don't have anything upcoming either just because everything's in flux. And I personally feel like our next race scheduled in Des Moines in like late June is definitely on the hot seat now. I feel like any yeah. day we're going to get a, a email saying, uh-oh, your race is canceled. So, Which means we'd get pushed to the next year's race. Probably, unless they postpone it to later in the season. But, right. I mean, I don't know what's happening everything's chaos right now. Everything is chaos. I just am laying down and let it all just like wash over me. It's just uh, another update. I went to work. I went back to work this last week. Um, And it's just interesting because everybody is staying at home. And like, I still feel like I'm getting just like the usual grind. But 
I don't know. I just thought it was a thing of note because I feel like I'm losing my mind more than ever because I'm in my normal daily routine, but I can't like go swimming or like can't do anything out of work. So it's, it's just a weird, just a weird place right now. That's all I have to say. You can find us on Instagram at four triathlon people um, and online at four triathlon people.wordpress.com. Shoot us a DM, tag us in your COVID-19 training picks. Um, <laughs> we love to see you guys um, in the wild experiencing yeah. this with us. Um, so yeah, take care of each other out there. Take care of yourselves. And we'll see you in the next one.